Welcome to Valley Talk. I'm your host, Heather Stark. I'm here every week with uh, something new and fascinating. And we seem to, this last year, have focused a lot on politics and our elected representatives. That being said, welcome Bill Ramos. Hi, uh, Representative Bill Ramos, representing the 5th District uh, for the state. And uh, the 5th District is a large district in the eastern part of King County. It uh, doesn't include the city limits of Duval, but the south and east sides of Duval and heading down through Carnation, all the uh, Snoqualmie Valley, of course, North Bend, Snoqualmie up to Snoqualmie Pass, continues south all the way uh, in Issaquah, Sammamish, uh, also Maple Valley, Black Diamond, and down towards the edges of Enumclaw as well. So it's a large district on this east side of, uh, of King County. So it's a mix of small cities and a lot of unincorporated, unincorporated rural King County. Yeah. And one of the things uh, I obviously have a passion for rural areas and that's who we serve primarily. So how do you balance the needs of the rural folks with the suburban folks, with the small city folks? How do you, they're not always the same needs and wants. How do you deal with that as a representative? Um, that, that, that's very true. And, and, but, you know, at the same time, um, the district I represent actually is kind of a little microcosm of the state of Washington. It has all those little different pieces in it. And what we're working on is always for the state of Washington as well as our own rep district. So we always have to consider those things. And, and sometimes they are in conflict, but I find more often than not, we're really dealing with people and people situations and people are people no matter where they actually live. And so it, they are more in uh, more congruent than, than you'd think uh, as far as, you know, getting into policy and so forth. So, um, but there are definitely some differences and uh, that we do pay attention to. And sometimes they're in conflict and then we have to work out and see what, what we can do best for, for most folks. Um, but generally we work, to, work towards a pretty good solution. Well, that being said, we're, we talked at the beginning of the pandemic and uh, nobody really knew what was happening. And I believe, I should have got, looked it up to be sure, but uh, I, rep, I um, interviewed several of our elected representatives and uniformly at the beginning of COVID, the mantra was, well, of course we'll have a special session. And that special session never materialized. And I think for me, why? Why didn't we have that special session? Well, um... A special session needs to be called uh, for a reason to actually get something specific done because we're outside of our normal thing. So to bring everybody back together, it's like something needs to be done. So you have to have some agreement. And I think uh, the, the way it was set up, they call the four corners. Uh, we're working with the governor that the four corners are uh, the representative from the House Democrat and Republican Party and the Senate Democrat and Republican Party. In, in, in concert with the governor who had the actual authority when we're not in session. And they were trying to get some things done in that way uh, without bringing everybody together. Um, you know, it, it I thought it, in the beginning we should have come together as well, but if we didn't have total agreement on something, it's kind of hard. Uh, and the science was changing and we were learning as we went and every new week gave us more information and more data. So I think we did okay. Um, without that, because um, I don't know if we could have got any better solution than what we got to with those four corners and the, and the governor working uh, through this. I think our state did very well compared to most other states since it really, we were 
the uh, starting point here uh, in the nation in many ways. So, um, and our numbers have uh, been good as far as uh, least number of deaths uh, than, than many other places had. So it wasn't perfect. There were, there's a lot of, of suffering and a lot of uh, particular economic suffering as well as personal suffering. Um, but I think we did probably about as good as we could. Looking back, you always say things different, but we were, we were taking a step at a time, always not knowing where the next step was going to go. So it was tough. If you think back then of what we thought we were going to do maybe for a short period of time, which turned out to be over a year. Yeah. Well, and talking about that period of time, a lot of discussion has been going on. And during the session, it went on and it was not addressed, um, at least by the majority. Um, Apparently, we're only one of four states that don't have a term limit or an end date when emergency powers are used. And there's been a lot of press about that, a lot of writing about that. Um, why do you think the legislature did not address that at this session? Um, again, there was some discussion. Um, you know, if you try to get something passed, <laughs> you need to pass both houses and, and uh, an agreement. And I think there just wasn't agreement uh, enough of a majority to, to bring that. Uh, and I think that's why some things got, they just, if you don't have an agreement, you can discuss them, uh, but it, it didn't get to a point where we could get something written down and agreed to. Um, so that's where it is. I don't know about how many states have that or not. That, that's you know, it's your fact, I guess. I haven't looked that up if only four <laughs> have it or not. Um, so I, I don't well, know. I don't know if I made it up, do you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. That's your fact and I'll leave it with it's yours. But, um, you know, every what I find is every state is very unique in so many ways. Um, we all created our own constitution and, and at different times. And, and there are a lot of similarities and a lot of differences between the states and how the legislatures run. And, uh, you know, so our, it's always taken as a whole package of how the, how things work and not just a, a piece of how the state works to, to make sure we have some consistency as well. Yeah, the governor's emergency powers are a big piece though, I would think. Um, they are. <laughs> especially when we go on, well, not the end of June, it'll be close to 500 days. Right. And then you look at things like in Oregon, just the next of us, they can shut the whole legislature down if enough people just leave and they don't have a quorum and the whole legislature can't act at all, um, which we don't have that ability here. If people quit showing up, the people who show up will do the voting. Um, so we don't have the, that requirement that some states have and have had that uh, situation happen as well where they you know then nothing can get passed if, if there's not a quorum so there are a little twists and turns for sure with, with each different state and and this is what we have and uh, until we get enough of a majority to try to change that um it, it stays the same do you think the legislature will ever is it on the radar for the next session to maybe discuss uh, limiting those emergency powers or at least putting an end date on those emergency powers yeah, uh, I, I, it'd be a hazard to guess, you know, it, what's going to happen in January. There's a lot of time and a lot of things to talk about between now and then. Um, so I, I, I'd just be a wild guess if I thought it was going to come to fruition or not. I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, I'll give you my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, I think having uh, some having to go back to the legislature after the initial one, uh, declaration of emergency, say 30 days or 60 days or whatever seems reasonable. And then if you need to renew it, have all of the elected officials have a voice on it. 
that would be my my thing. And you can write that down if you'd like and take it back. All right. <laughs> I'm sure I'll, everybody I'll, will. <laughs> I'll, I'll draft that up and see where it goes. Because <laughs> remember, remember, it only takes 147 people to agree on something to make it happen. So. Oh my gosh, I can't even get four to agree on dinner. Um, you know, it's that's a, that's the a thing people realize. So the legislative part of of our government is a slow, deliberative process designed that way from the beginning so that things don't just happen fast and change with, 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 with whims. It is a slow process. You have to get a lot of people to agree with, with why something should be done. And, and that takes time. And, uh, and that is, but that is, that's the design of our system. You know, it's not the executive branch. It's not the judicial branch. That legislative branch is, is slow and deliberate and trying to get uh, a lot of opinions to the table. And that just takes time. And, the, and design that those changes don't just happen because of one incident and then the next incident, it may not work as well, right? So it's always trying to look, you know, whatever you do today, it's supposed to last for a long time. And so looking at that, predicting what it will be, how it will work in the future is just as critical as how it will work tomorrow. Okay, that being said, I have a personal issue, as long as I'm giving you my opinion. There's a, okay. a the, yeah, this is my chat. You didn't know this was going to be Heather's little Heather's little lobbying event, did you? This, um, is, this is a you and I discussion. Okay, I love it. <laughs> um, what, uh, there is the Washington State, um, uh, I don't know what they call the, the official name of it, but it's the emergent, the, the domestic violence league law is what it's nicknamed, but I don't believe that's its official thing. It's been around for 11 years. Very good legislation. Um, I know I work a lot with domestic violence issues, and I know a lot of people who don't even know that they have it. I can't tell you how many women I talk with, with who say, oh, I was fired because I kept missing work, blah, blah, blah. And that domestic violence leave law prohibits an employer from doing that. And there's a lot of really good things about it. But I have two bones to pick with it. One is, you guys in the legislature love to spend other people's money. I mean, you're dictating, I mean, that, that provision costs because part of not losing your job is having to get paid, even if it's not in the, in the salary, it's in the benefits and the bonuses and all of that kind of stuff, which the law requires an employer keep doing, even if the um, domestic violence person on leave um, has to go for a really long time. You know, I mean, and I personally think that's good, except having run a small business, hey, yeah, what if I don't have the money to do that? I can't fire the person. I can't put them on leave. And so I, I think that Heather's golden rule is the legislature shouldn't pass anything for other people unless they want to fund it. <laughs> so you could write that down. <laughs> I, I will. And, and, um, and there's a whole bunch of other people agree with you on that one, I will tell you. <laughs> well, well, and, and the, but the main thing that I wanted to talk to you about in that bill is they, they neglected to put sibling. So you can uh, take advantage of the domestic violence leave law if you are a victim of domestic violence or if your parent is or if your best friend is, but not if your sister is. <laughs> and I was told by um, Department of LNI that administers that that they are pretty sure it was just an oversight. You know, they listed a whole slew of people that would, uh, you know, uh, um, enable you to take advantage of the domestic violence leave law, but not sibling. And so you're a legislator. The bill has already passed. It's been around for 11 years. I don't think it's controversial anymore. Can you do something to get that word sister or sibling um, in that, that, um, that law? 
Um, I, I, I'm happy to take a look at it for you and, and get back to you and see. That is something we do try to do because is again, when we when we do pass a law, it it sometimes isn't 100% right the first time. And we do go what? back and-, and I'm shocked. <laughs> yes, believe, believe me, I, I am shocked myself. But we, we do often go back and make, you know, slight corrections and changes because of something of that nature. So I'd have to go back and look at the details and see, but uh, if that's something, we've gone back on a lot of laws and gone back and e either added a little bit or taken a little bit out yeah. because they weren't quite right. Um, because, you know, like I say, we, we try, we do try to look at all those future possibilities and the unintended consequences and those kinds of things that would happen when we do something. But, you know, you're predicting the future when you're doing something new. And so we, we do miss them occasionally and, and, and we try to correct them when we can. So I will take a look at that and, and talk to some of the folks. I'm not the expert in domestic violence, but I will, I will see where that is. Right. And I uh, uh, have worked with a couple of organizations locally that actually have um, representatives from LNI and victims um, services come and do talks for free for the public. We arrange them and they, they come and talk to educate people about the domestic violence leave law. And every time, um, it used to be Cindy Sparks, but I think she's moved into a different job and I don't remember the newer person's name. But every time we get that talk, it's like, uh, where's sister or brother or sibling in there? And she, you know, it, it's a little frustrating. So uh, if Super. you look into that, I, that that's great. I, I will do so. Okay, thank you. And I'll, I'll let you know next session, next time we talk where that is. Okay, all right. Um, so there, okay, now we're gonna end Heather's official lobbying se session and we're gonna go back to questions about what happened in the last. <laughs> A um, lot of unpopular things and controversial things were passed this time, including a state, what is being called a state income tax, although the bill calls it an excise tax. Um, what's with that? You know, what, what's the thinking behind that? Uh, are we thinking, did they, did they pass that just so it would be challenged in court and we'd get a definitive ruling on whether we could tax that way or whether it is considered an income tax and therefore unconstitutional in our state. Why so you're, talking about, you're talking about the capital gains tax, right? Yeah. And, and yes, and, and what I can tell you that um, all, all the research could be done to determine what, how, where that would fall. And, and the belief is we wouldn't pass, we wouldn't, I, I wouldn't work to pass something that we knew was, was illegal just to wait to get it overturned. There is some gray area um, and, uh, but we believe that it will survive uh, through the courts, uh, but we'll find out, <laughs> you know, that is true. We will find that out um, and uh, because it's already been challenged. Uh, but but the point is, uh, you know, trying to do something the right way again, it wasn't done just to be tested. That wasn't the point. Um, we don't try to do things for that answer. We try to, you know, believe that it is going to be upheld. And then, uh, you know, if it gets tested, great, then we'll know for, for certain. But uh, that's that's more the approach we take to that. Okay. That's the, I think it gets, gets, gets to the question there, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and it will be interesting to see what the courts do. Um, mm -hmm. um, any, that, you know, on that whole issue. On yep. our court, uh, more um, close to the heart issue about it. And um, I, I'm trying to play devil's advocate, advocate here, which I actually play pretty well most of the time. Uh, but I'm trying <laughs> yeah. to play devil's advocate for this. And that is 
I have never seen a tax go down. And I've lived in this state for 42 years and I have never seen a tax go down. And so when I see new taxes, I think, okay, you're going after that person who's a lot richer than me, but the income tax started out in, in federally as something that wasn't, was only for rich people. Didn't take too awfully long for it to become, you know, just about every person on the face of the earth here. So when I was talking with people who were in favor of that tax, I kept saying, and she, she may use the argument, well, B&O tax is unfair. And I said, that's true. And if you could guarantee B&O tax would go away, then I'd be fine doing another tax. But I've never seen a tax go away. Once it's there, all they ever seem to do is go up. So how do you see, you know, project uh, intentions, project, you know, your opinion and tell me how long is it going to be if that tax is, is allowed to continue? It will be before it affects most of us. Um, well, I, I don't think it will. Um, that's the, again, uh, you're asking me to use a crystal ball, um, with <laughs> the intent you brought that, didn't you? I mean, <laughs> I am pretty sure I said to bring that crystal ball. Yeah, I, I, I didn't, I brought one of those eight balls that you oh, shake okay. and something comes up with. I, I, I thought that was the same. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's not the intent that, that I have, um, in my vote for, for that. Um, but, you know, again, I can't predict the future, but that's not the intent. Um, as, as the numbers, like you say, it, in the fifth district with, you know, what a quarter of a million people or so in here, it's predicted that 178 people would have to pay that tax out of, you know, uh, uh, everybody in this district. So it does affect a small portion. My particular goal is, you know, we talk about our state having a very uh, regressive tax structure. And I, I uh, would a little bit more of what you're saying, I think, um, want to, um, I would like to trade some of those taxes to make them more progressive versus regressive, but that's taking one out when you're putting one in and making that trade. That's how you make that work. Um, I do think that, that, uh, you know, this, this one we know is going to be challenged. So it's not even, you know, it, it, you can't, can't really do too much with it until it, it, it gets past that because it's already been challenged, right, in court. So as far as that goes, but but that's that's the way I look at things. That hopefully we'll we'll be able in the future reduce sales tax, reduce property tax, change the B and O structure. Talk about an unfair tax, taxing some people on gross gross income because you can't tax them on net makes no to me makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, if you have a business that brings in a lot of money but has high expenses, you pay, you know, a much higher tax than, than someone on a, you know, maybe making more money, but but on a lower scale, and then you pay, you know, uh, you know, less tax. So so we, we do have some taxes that are a little bit, um, uh, I, I say, they don't, they don't make as much sense, and they don't make sense to the balance of people where the uh, you know, a person making fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year pays eighteen percent of their income into taxes, where a person making, you know, two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year pays three percent. You know, um, that that's just not that's not the numbers probably aren't right. There probably be more than that, but um, but the difference is that the more you make, the less you pay. That 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 doesn't make sense to me, um, and it doesn't make sense to a lot of folks, even folks that, that make a lot of money, um, and they have been been uh 
encouraging us to try to change the tax structure to be more uh, progressive. So that's the long-term plan for me that to, to trade those out, you know, make one that's more progressive, take one out that's regressive. Um, but our tax code is very complicated. Like, you know, when you look at the state sales tax, well, that's not, that's not the state sales tax. That's a whole bunch of different taxes in that sales tax. And so it, even if you took, you know, one piece out, you can't get rid of all of it because the cities are getting part of it or the, or some special district is getting part of it. The state's getting part of it. The county's getting part of it. There's, there's all sorts of people in that. So you can't just like take it out. It doesn't, you know, you can't, you know, totally defund something uh, quickly like that again. So we're trying to take it slow and steady and make those, those changes where they uh, again, work for the long term and a better balance of, of a taxing structure for this state. So that, uh, you know, folk, you know, I, I, I hate paying taxes. I hate paying taxes. Hey, I'm shocked. All the rest of us love it, you know, <laughs> but, but, I also want the services that those taxes provide and I'm willing to pay a fair share, but I don't want to pay more than my fair share and have somebody else not pay their fair share. That doesn't seem right either. So I want to get that to where everybody's paying their fair share. Cause you know, I want good highways and roads. I want good schools. I want the services that keep our things from, uh, you know, our society functioning. We agree as a society that it's better for everybody to chip in a little bit and have all these great things. So we have, you know, good clean water and sewer and and fire and police and parks and all these things, we have to pay for them somehow. And a classic example right now, I'm working on a transportation package. We Everybody wants a transportation package and they want all these projects done. That's not a problem, but we have to figure out how to pay for all those things. Well, then all of a sudden the question comes in, well, okay, well, we don't want to pay that much. Okay, well, then your project doesn't get funded. Oh, no, no, I don't want my project not to get funded. I want somebody else's project not to get funded. How do you find that? Because, you know, roads in this state, they belong to everybody. And I get to drive every road in this state. You know, I, I get I have that permission, right? It's it, that's what they're there. They're for all of us. I don't care what county I live in or what county I'm visiting. Right. So we want that. We want to have good road systems for everybody. And, and wherever we go on vacation or if we live in that area. Um, and so we need to take care of those and, and we want to, you know, figure out how to pay for that, but we are way behind in taking care of our roads and we need, that's just one example of a place we need to get additional funding to. And I'm not sure where that's coming from. We didn't pass that transportation package this year because we couldn't come to agreement on that. Like some other things we couldn't come to agreement on. Everybody wanted a package. Everybody agreed they wanted a package. Nobody agreed how to pay for it. Well, that's the so, thing. <laughs> Agreement is yeah. hard to find in a lot of venues, not just the legislature. Um, yeah. So that's the thing I'll be working on during this interim, trying to get to to uh, to work on on those things on how to fund transportation better. So okay. Well, I have another idea for you. Okay. <laughs> good. Good. We'll talk about that after we come back from break. We're going to have to pay a few bills here and and uh, make a few announcements. So thank you for listening to Valley Talk. I'm Heather Stark here with Representative Ramos from the 5th District, and we're going to be talking more about taxes when we come back. You're listening to Valley 104.9, your station for Valley Talk and information. Join us for Northwest Phenomenon Sunday nights at 7 p.m. right here on Valley 104.9 as we cover topics from paranormal activity, conspiracy theories, and more. If you have a story you would like to share, email me, mario at northwestphenomenon.com. We'll see you Sunday nights at 7 p.m. right here on Valley 
104.9. Northwest Phenomenon. Tune in on Saturday evenings when Valley 104.9 is all about the oldies. Things get going at 5.30 p.m. with Forgotten Hits of the 60s, where host Steve Arthur spins up obscure singles and one-hit wonders. Then from 6 to 9, it's the Saturday Night Oldies Show with the Valley's own Terry Spring. Terry busts out his huge collection of 45s from the 50s, 60s, and 70s and spins them every week. It's a double dose of the oldies every Saturday starting at 5.30 p.m. Remember to join us at 1 p.m. on Sunday for Animal Radio. Animal Radio is America's most listened to pet show. The nearly two-hour celebration of our pets is hosted by veterinaire talent Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. So tune in 1 p.m. Sunday, Animal Radio. Immerse yourself in the worlds of community media, sound, podcasting, and audio on Radio Survivor. Airing on Wednesday nights from 6 to 7 p.m. here on Valley 104.9 FM. Welcome back to Valley Talk. I'm Heather Stark. With me is Representative Ramos from the 5th District, and he's uh, taking my questions very graciously, and I am definitely trying to give him a hard time. Um, We were talking about taxes. I love it. I love it. (laughs) And I am particularly prickly when it comes to taxes because there's too many of them. Um, And um, I'm, I'm like you, I don't mind paying for what, what seems reasonable, but when I see some of the numbers of billions and billions of dollars, well, homelessness. Okay. And I didn't particularly want to speak about homelessness, but that's those figures come to mind. Billions of dollars spent on homelessness, homelessness, bureaucracies created. There's no improvement. We still have more homeless people than we have ever had before. So at what point do you say, I mean, I know managing my home budget. Well, I'm going to sign up for having milk delivered to my door. Well, you know what? I find that having milk delivered to my door every week, I'm not drinking all the milk. I'm wasting some milk. At what point do I say that wasn't a good decision? I need to turn around and make a different decision to manage my budget and to keep it within what I can afford. It seems to me that with taxes, nobody's asking that question. How can we do it differently? Perhaps saving some money if it's not working. Um, Go ahead, let me have it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, I I think there's a lot of those discussions that that happen. And again, not not simple solutions, but we are looking at those. Uh, Every year we, we have a group that looks at any taxes that we can get rid of or any exemptions of people that have exemptions to paying their taxes that should be changed uh, because at one point they may have been a good thing, but now they're not. There are a ton of those around too in all sorts of, of tax structure where someone, a group, an industry, some some entity doesn't doesn't uh, pay into, into their share for some reason or another. So those are looked at, you know, uh, constantly to see uh, adjustments of that nature. Um, and I think that's, that is part of what we, we have a whole tax structure work group um, that is focusing on that right now. And it's a, it's not a something that's gonna be solved in you know three to six months. They're, they have like a four year plan to really try to look at how everything is structured, where it's going, 
and and the efficiency of those things. So uh, as we talked a little bit earlier about having you know a fair tax for everyone, that's part of that. And if we find out that uh, you know we can reduce those in in the process, um, happy to do that. Um, but I haven't you know I haven't had also just on the other side of that, no one has ever come to talk to me and say you know I want you to stop doing these services that you're doing. You know. I, you know, it's it, there, you know, somebody's always getting something from those tax dollars and, and no one wants to see their services or their opportunities or their projects that they care about to, to be cut either. I haven't had anybody do that. So we, we are looking at, I think if we, in, in an all fairness representative, um, mm -hmm. using again, the analogy of the homeless, uh, an, an entire bureaucracy has been created. Yeah. I, jobs are on the line. I mean, uh, they've created a huge bureaucracy, but, and I can understand why those people don't want to abolish something like that. I mean, if I had a job, I wouldn't want the organization I was working with to be abolished. Nevertheless, it was abolished for a reason, or it was created for a reason. Right. At what point doesn't a reasonable person look at that and say, this is not working. We are not going to put more money in this. We're going to look for another plan. And, and actually, I do think that is happening now. I think COVID has done some things to awaken us to us some stuff. And I remember I started running way back when, and we started talking about homelessness. And the one thing I said then, and I say now, what we've been doing isn't working. It's really clear. It isn't working. So we do, I'm with you on that. We do need to change what we're doing. And I think that's happening now. Um, it, it, uh, it doesn't happen fast, but if you look at what King County is doing, in getting hotels and and other things, other ways to get folks with a roof and a room that they can call their own and it's and safe uh, is is uh, I think a first step in a good direction and it's not uh, it's not what's been done before. But if you look back historically, um, that's the way a lot of folks lived before and and uh, and uh, in boarding house type situations where they had a community even meals sometimes, hotel situations, that wasn't, uh, uh, that was more common, you know, what, 100 years ago and 75 years ago. Maybe that's a model that comes back. So I, I believe that this, this step towards uh, hotels and services there for folks, get them safe and then uh, give the different services that folks need. The, the problem with homelessness is everybody's unique and everybody needs something different. And so it's not one situation, one answer for everything. And that what, that does complicate things. So you have to work with, with every person on their individual need basis. And I think that is starting to happen. I hope it continues and we'll have to see how this change in working for homelessness, you know, give, give it, a, you know, give it a year to see how that's starting to move down the line. And I hope that is right. Cause that is something we need to, you know, we need to get people out of homelessness. It's not right that this country is what it is and has these many people that don't have a place to call their own. There, there's ways we can work on that. And I think you're right, there's, there's money there. It's the method and, the, and, and getting a way that works. And I think, I'd say, I just, I just believe that we, we made a turn. I think everybody's throwing away a lot of the old ideas that haven't been working for 30 years and, and looking for new ones. And, uh, well, hopefully and, and we're not spending more money for 30 years uh, on something that right. was more, hopefully somebody can start moving a little faster on that. Um, yeah. And you, your comment about everyone is unique. I, I used to have a friend who would say, yes, of course, you're, you are unique, just like everybody else. Yeah. 
but, but yeah, but when but the needs of each person that they need help is, is different, you know, and uh, people need a helping hand, but that, that hand can look very different. Yeah. Sometimes it's just a little bit of money. It, it, it is a simple thing. It just, it, it may be just the money to get their own place, get that deposit or whatever they need done. But more often it's, it's more complicated than that. Um, and, and how to, to, to give, to have, make available what that person needs is, uh, I think, I think the trick, what I've seen of other places where they've gotten down to that, to the personality, they've actually seems to have, have helped, uh, in getting people, you know, totally on their own, which is what we want. We want everybody to have a reasonable life and, 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 uh, you know, doing their own thing in a safe way and not, uh, you know, uh, having this, this situation in a country of this nature, it's just, it's not acceptable to me. This legislature kind of blew through the emergency fund. Well, during the last year, let's say, not just the legislature, uh, but we've basically blown through the state's emergency fund. I think there's just a, poor, a small percentage of it left. We got mega bucks from the federal government which went right away. And of course we were having, you know, I, I, I hesitate to say unprecedented times because everybody is so verbally stunted now, but it is, it's a time like we've never experienced before. We haven't, although it certainly has been experienced in the world. Um, lots of money coming in. Projections were for more money than we had actually budgeted for. And yet so many taxes were raised. As a person who's managed a household, this doesn't make sense to me. If you have the money and you have enough, you know, then why are you asking for more? Why do you ask for more? Everybody has to live within boundaries and you can't do everything as you've pointed out. So why are, why are our taxes going up even though the state got more money than they anticipated? Um, so, so it's trying to understand your, your question there totally. So, because of, again, the complicated tax system, where in some places taxes went down because people weren't spending money. For example, gas tax, people weren't driving, they weren't paying, putting gas in their well, car. That, that doesn't mean taxes went down. It, right. it, it gas meant, collections, I should say. Yeah. You're correct. You're right. right. So, so different pots of where they could spend money uh, did. But, but surprisingly, um, you know, after looking at anticipating a, a, an incredible deficit, um, finding out as we went through this year that that deficit wasn't there, right? I mean, that's, that was pretty amazing. And, and we did, we used those emergency funds as I think appropriate, because when we thought there was an amazing deficit, that's exactly what those emergency funds are for and why, why those were set aside. And then in this budget, we did start to replenish that, um, that pot. So, so those emergency funds will be there. And, and my anticipation is the next budget will, will finish replenishing that pot as, it, as it's supposed to, because that's needed because what it just shows, we need that when, when, when there is an emergency, you wanna have that just like we all personally wanna have that. So I believe that's gonna be replenished in, in that sense. Um, but at the same time, there has been some serious need through this COVID pandemic and uh, so it is appropriate for the, for the funds we have, which we have to have a balanced budget, right? We can't spend more money than we have. We're not the federal government. Um, so to have that money and, and spend that appropriately to help meet people's needs 
is is the appropriate thing to do at this time. Um, so you know that's why I voted for the budget. I think it did try to go and even though many folks have done well, I've done okay in you know COVID. I can work from home. You know I, I'm okay. A lot of people aren't, and even though a lot of people are okay now, there's still a lot that are missing out. So even though we think we're getting back to normal, believe me, there's a lot of people that are still suffering. Um, and we do need to continue to help those. I mean, just a classic example, you know, the rent situation, this just extended that again, just to make sure we get the money to the folks who are behind so that they don't lose their house and we have more homeless folks. Um, so we're trying to, to make sure we take care of those folks that, uh, that need that helping hand during this pandemic. I mean, we've helped a lot of people. We helped a lot of big businesses. We helped a lot of, and unfortunately not as many small businesses, but a lot of folks got help. We need to make sure everyone that needs it gets that help and not just some. So there's still need, there's still need out there. Yeah, um, there is need. Um, uh, no, there's no argument from me on that, but um, taxes are extraordinarily high. I think at this point, and we're taxed on so many things, you know, just so many things. And one of those taxes that apparently is coming up, whether it's called a tax, maybe that's not the right terminology, but you're working on the transportation package. What is the, um, I know there's a push. And when there's a push, that usually means it's going to happen. Maybe not right now, but it's going to happen to tax for mileage usage. Nothing happened with that in this uh, session, at least nothing for public consumption, I guess. Um, I'm really worried about uh, the whole transportation roads thing. Um, I've been told that a few years ago, the state changed the formula. And so that the counties are getting a smaller percentage of those tax bucks. Well, that's what I'm being told by the county. So, um, a, a pair of that I was what I was told quite frankly is that the state is using a broken formula and that that's keeping money away from the county at the same time we're being told that we have four years and before the county runs out of money for any of our roads to repair on county roads um, and that includes bridges and everything else what are you looking at in the transportation package? Are we going to be taxed per mile? Are we going to have, um, will that help the situation in road repair? Uh, is there really a, a barrier or a broken formula, if you will, for calculating this stuff for transportation? Yeah. A lot so of let's go back. Yeah. So, so we need a little history here on, on the gas tax have been around since the 1930s, I believe that, that we started that. And it has been a great model of a great tax that I think people understand. It says, if you use this, you pay kind of for your usage so much per, per gallon of gas, right? And so the more you drive, the more you pay, the more you're driving on the roads. And it's been around for almost hundred years and it, and it's, and it's worked. Uh, but that overall formula of a gas tax is broken at this point because uh, a number of reasons um, that uh, it's not the formula, but, you know, and gas tax, remember, is made up of a whole bunch. It's, it's, it's federal gas tax, state, local, county, cities. Everybody gets a piece of that that you pay, right? Um, but, you know, we're, we're shifting off of gas as as a fuel base as we get more electric cars more hybrid cars the fuel mileage is going up and what's happened is if you look at the trajectory on a graph the basically 
the revenue from gas tax is going down and the road usage, you know, is going up, right? And so it, it's a formula that is dying and, and it's not working anymore. It can't fund the road structure that it did for, you know, 60, 70 years, that funded it very well. Um, so we have to find a replacement for that. Um, that's just, that's a fact because it's, you know, pretty soon if everybody was electric, there'd be no gas tax, there'd be no money for roads, period, right? So, um, so we need to work on that. So a mileage charge is another way to look at you, the user paying for their fair share of using the road. If you drove more miles on the road versus less miles on the road, if you, if you only drive five miles a year versus someone drives 20,000 miles a year, you know, you should probably pay differently because you're getting more benefit, right? So what the, the, that mileage charge is not looking at being an addition to gas tax, but a replacement. And that's the trick on that. It's trying to replace an old outdated system with a new system that would work and still be fair. Um, and that, that's, so that's, that's, that's the difference when people think that they're gonna be charged for that. But how do, you, how do you charge for your use of the road? You know, we can figure out some other way to do it or have some sort of use fee, which the gas tax has been. So the more you use, the more you pay. So well, that, the problem I mean, that's, that's kind of, I think, a critical piece. Yeah, I've uh, the the problem that I see with that is there are only two methodologies I've been told about for measuring how much you use. One is some sort of an electronic device in your car that will feed your mileage to the state. The other one, and people have privacy issues about that. You know, people a lot of people have a lot of people have privacy issues about that because if you're having that on my car and it's sending out to somebody else, you know, I'm I'm. I'm sketchy about that. I don't like that. The other thing is, is that uh, uh, reading the odometer, we'll, we'll read it the first of the year and then we'll read it at the end of the year and then we'll calculate your miles. I travel seven or 8,000 miles a year out of state. Am I going to have to pay Washington state taxes on that seven or 8,000 miles that I didn't consume in Washington, that I didn't use Washington roads? Um, I, I, how, what, how are you going to administer it? So, so that is the reason why we don't have it yet. <laughs> it, is, it is complicated. It's not as easy as a gas tax. And believe me, this is not a Washington state problem. Every state in the, in the union is dealing with this and trying to figure out the best way to do it. And no way is, is best. It's not just two methods. Uh, there's probably a, uh, you know, a half a dozen methods that people are talking about uh, trying to implement. And none of them are, are perfect. So right now we're trying to come up with some that are better um, and they're all in pilot mode now. We had a pilot study a couple of years ago, probably two years ago now that people voluntarily use about six different methods and, and kept track of their mileages in, in different ways. Some people don't like the electronic thing. It's fast and easy, you don't have to pay attention to it, but it's a privacy issue, turning in your odometer rating, like you say about out of state stuff. So there's, there's, there's more options than that that take all those things into account but none of them are perfect. If they were, we would probably try to implement something sooner, but we're trying to balance that out. Also the example you use that uh, method is if you pay once a year, that is a, is a bigger price than if you pay every time you go to the pump and you pay a little bit every time you go to the pump. For some people they can't, and they can't come up with that $150 because realize if you're looking at how much you're paying in gas tax now, it, it's 100, depending on how much you drive, probably 150 to $200 a year, which is not 
an outrageous amount of money compared to all the use you get of all the roads in the state. So it's not, it's not like thousands of dollars, but it is a chunk of money if you have to pay it once a year. So we're trying to figure out ways for people to pay once a month, you know, so it's a smaller amount like you would pay a utility bill. There's lots of other things that could, ways that could, um, you could uh, keep track of your miles outside the state, like you say, so you don't pay for them. But then that other state that's gonna be changing to this system too, they're gonna to wanna know when you come into their state. So it gets, it gets a, little, uh, a little complicated, but we will, we will come up with something and we'll be probably piloting them in as they come, like maybe you start with electric cars because they're not paying right now. Well, they are because they have a tab fee. So people don't realize I pay more now for my electric car. I pay more in uh, what would be equivalent of gas tax than I did when I had my gas car because it's a flat rate and I pay $175 a year. When, when I drove my gas car, I only paid $140 a year in gas tax. So we're going to take a break again right now. We got to go pay some bills and thank okay. you um, for your grace and answering my, my questions about the taxes um, because I don't like them. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, I don't like them. They're too high now. Um, so that being said, we're going to take a little break. We're going to let people go uh, get up and get another snack or whatever. And uh, we're going to pay a few bills and we will be right back with Valley Talk. I'm Heather Stark and I'm here with Bill Ramos. Welcome back to Valley Talk. I'm Heather Stark, your host, and Representative Bill Ramos is with me. We are talking taxes and money and roads and all of those other things. You know, one of the things that I wanted to ask you is there were so many publicized and so many open um, um, controversies about what the legislature did this year. Um, we could keep going all day about some of these uh, less than popular things that occurred. But I wanted to touch base with you and ask you in our remaining 10 or 15 minutes, what do you think, what do you see as the biggest accomplishment of the legislative session this year? Uh, I, I think we had a lot of accomplishments. And again, I wanna reiterate that the legislative process is a collaborative process. And uh, you know, saying things were unpopular, um, things were worked on with a lot of people. Um, for example, um, there were 12 bills signed dealing with uh, police reform and policy. And those were done in collaboration with lots of meetings and lots of talk with community groups, with police unions, with law enforcement officer representation, with, um, you know, uh, cities that, you know, have their own police force. A lot of folks came together to try to figure out ways to do those things in a way that would work in the world. Because like I say, we, we do try to get it as right as we can the first time. And, and those, those ideas morphed a lot in that process. And, and I believe that they, they are well done now. And most folks that may have been against something at the start were uh, okay with it at the end or really more excited about it at the end by the time you work through that process to get everybody together. So, the, so there was a lot of collaboration in these things. That is the legislative branch and that is what we have to do. So um, I think those things in police reform and I, I'm on the public safety committee and I work very closely with that. Um, uh, also in the area of uh, climate change, um, we, uh, some legislation that's been talked about for years, gotten close uh, to getting passed, but never quite made it. Uh, we're on a number of ballot initiatives as well. Um, finally got to uh, agreement on that this time. 
And again, that takes a lot of uh, collaboration, even within different, you know, within the same party. There's there's people, you know, our, our parties now are, um, you know, as mixed within as, as, as they are without. So there's a lot of, of uh, collaboration within as well to work through those those details. And it, it, it takes time. And that's why um, that legislature and all that work in between now, we're doing more talking, getting ready for the next session and during the session as well. Um, so those are two areas uh, for sure that uh, I, I was, uh, I think we did well on and uh, they were very collaborative in getting towards that point. So, I mean, I, I just, right. so were there any like sleeper issues and or bills that got passed that you, uh, that you liked or was everything just still in the crisis mode? I, I, usually in a legislative session, you also get, you know, we'll name the snail or uh, state patch or whatever. Um, this year's session was probably a little bit more um, intense than that, but was there anything, uh, what I call them as a sleeper, sleeper bill, was there anything that passed that was just kind of nice for everybody to see? Um, we, you know, we did try to stay away from those things. We went in uh, with this session and we, we kind of said we want to focus in four areas and that's, you know, COVID, uh, the pandemic, economic recovery, um, climate change and, and social justice issues. And we try to keep in those four categories and anything that uh, could wait until next session, it wasn't a rush or was, uh, you know, something we may like to do, but it wasn't really needed right now. We try to put those off. And so, cause we dealt with a lot fewer number of bills than we normally do. And because it was all remote, you know, there, we, we had some, I think we did a pretty efficient uh, process, but we didn't know how efficient that would be. So we did definitely, you know, um, you know, didn't, uh, my a classic being in transportation, everybody wants their special license plate bill, right? And we do a couple of those a year. Usually we try, we try not to do any this year, you know, whatever it is on a special license plate, it can wait till the next session, you know? So those kinds of things we really tried to stay away from and, and stay on more critical issues because we knew we had less, uh, ability to, you know, do all those things we do working remotely. But I think we, we got a lot done and we, we had to focus and be a little more efficient and effective. And I think that that got us where we were well, focusing on some of the bigger issues. Nobody can object to more efficient. <laughs> um, talking about the next session, before you know it, we're going to be past this heat wave and it's going to be January again. What should we look at? What are you working on for the next session? And what are some going to be some of the big issues? Um, I suspect that you're going to say the transportation stuff uh, because you've already alluded to that. But what, what else is coming up? Yeah, so that's definitely one I'm working on. Um, we're going to continue to work in, uh, you know, the climate change, our healthy forest initiative. You know, me, I'm always doing something with forest, carbon sequestration, healthy forest, uh, community forest, urban forestry. I'm always gonna be somewhere in that arena doing something as well. Um, you know, we're gonna continue with our social justice. We, we did a lot, but there's more to be done. There's some things that uh, we couldn't get agreement on that, that we worked on, but didn't get, you know, uh, to a point where it was good enough where we could pass it. So we'll pick up a lot of things that got, uh, uh, got dropped or left behind because they weren't, they weren't fully baked, basically. You know, we, we tried to get there and sometimes it's like, we're just not gonna get there this time. We need more time and we're gonna be talking to folks. So I'd, I'd say a lot of similar stuff in, in uh, police reform, social justice, uh, climate change, healthy forests, keeping, you know, in those arenas. 
and continue with the uh, economic recovery for everybody um, is critical, uh, you know, um, and uh, COVID, you know, recovery. We need to get this thing knocked back and uh, hopefully get everybody vaccinated and uh, as we can. And, and so we don't uh, have more folks dying. This is not not what we want. You know, six, over 600,000 people in this country lost their life. That's 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 just not not acceptable and and we need to we need to knock this back for good okay um well you forgot to mention the the revision to the domestic violence leave law i mean i know you're going to work on that one <laughs> i got it written down right here you're right i you're right i didn't mention it because it's not on top of my head but it's in my notes okay <laughs> well, I need like, to refer to my notes. I, I, if you're like me, the top of the head is, I, I always used to tell my kids, I didn't forget it. The fact is my brain got filled up about 1995 and now nothing new fits in. So if you want it, write it down and it doesn't have to be stored in my brain, which is already so capacity. It's similar. I say I stored that stuff on a floppy disk and it's hard to retrieve right now. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> well, we could go way back. <laughs> cassette tape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw one of those the other day and it's like, oh, somebody still has a cassette tape. It belongs in a museum. <laughs> yes. yes. Of course, most of the technology we, we had three years ago is now so outdated. You know, it's amazing. Um, okay. One of the things, well, let me ask you to ask me, uh, was there anything that I missed that you wanted to bring to our attention and talk to folks about? Sure. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I think that, uh, people were really afraid of this session being virtual that that people were going to be excluded and their voices wouldn't be heard and i would say the most amazing thing in this session that amazed everybody and and i'm saying this for myself but others i agree with me is the virtualness of this session actually encouraged way more participation by people in the state and outside than ever before you know think about it. if you live in spokane and you want to testify on a bill that's in Olympia at 10 a.m. hearing, what do you have to do to do that? You have to take a day or two off work, maybe spend the night, get a hotel, and come and have your, what, three minutes of testimony? Well, guess what? With Zoom, you just have to be there in your home or your office at 10 o'clock. You take a break, you get on there, you give your testimony, and you've done it, and it costs you hardly any time or money. And so the participation across the state, particularly people who don't live near Olympia, was incredible. Also, we got we had world renowned leaders and experts in various fields testifying. We had people from, you know, from different countries, past presidents. We've had, you know, experts. We had we had the past president of Switzerland testify in one of my uh, 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 committees. So this, this has been wonderful. We have to figure out how we can continue that. We need to get back in person because there's so much more personal stuff that has to happen, but we have to figure out a way to get, uh, to allow everyone in the state to have much more access to, uh, to us in Olympia by this uh, virtual method. And that's, that's been just absolutely uh, an incredible benefit that we've learned from this. So do you think that we'll continue with that to allow people to testify via computer yeah and we're going to figure out how to do that where people can do it live or computer you know when you mix the two it gets a little more difficult right uh, one or the other was was easier so um yes we are working on how to do that technically so we can do both you know both and or kind of thing because that that does make a big difference and we want to hear all those voices 
you know, we had, you know, kids could testify, you know, I mean, we had, you know, on, on some of the juvenile stuff we worked on, we worked on other stuff, and, you know, seniors that couldn't travel, they could testify. I mean, just, you know, people that had disabilities, they could testify. This was an incredible thing that we heard from so many people um, that we never heard. From. We had one guy testify from prison. You know, I mean, he couldn't go. What was he testifying on? Uh, on some of the crim uh, criminal justice reform stuff. In his opinion, you know, what his, you know, how things work, he gave us another point of view that we wouldn't have had otherwise. And, and that's just, I think that's it. We try to do this right. And the way to do it is to get all those points of view, get everybody heard, like I say, so we can get as close to right the first time as possible. So we don't have to go back and fix those domestic violence leave bills. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and speaking of domestic violence, I know that there's all sorts of social issues that have come bubbling to the surface and that everybody's confronted. But is anything, anybody working at all on domestic violence, inter, inter, um, uh, intimate partner violence? It's still a thing. It's still out there. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I guess what I'm saying is, is anybody, is anybody still out there that, that is concerned about this as an issue? Absolutely. And we're always working on it. I can't, I can't, off the top of my head, I can't give you the bill numbers, but there were a number of bills every session that are dealing with domestic violence and protecting people that are in vulnerable situations. Uh, always, that's, that, that I think is one of the most important things we do uh, as a legislature is protect folks that need some sort of protection from what's going on. That is the piece that is just critical. And whatever that is, whether it's domestic violence or some sort of abuse, I know, sex trafficking, whatever that is, how can we help those folks that are in a situation that need help from someone else? And I think that's a critical piece and we're always working on, on, on those. There's always a number of bills in there. So it's not being left behind um, at all. Good, good to know. And it is, in all fairness, a very, um, there's so many things that uh, people are aware of now. I think it must've been so much easier a hundred years ago when you had to wait three weeks to figure, read in the paper what happened and then you could respond to that. And, and today everything is so instantaneous and there's so many things that people are working on and trying to uh, get taken care of all at once. And that being said, I appreciate your time in trying to uh, help us understand what you're doing down there in Olympia. And uh, I, I, if people wanted to get a hold of you, if they want to um, uh, give you input on uh, bills or suggestions for problems that need solving, how do they get hold of you. Yeah, always reach out to my office. I, my uh, email is bill.ramos at leg.wa.gov. And my uh, phone number is 425-381-2227. Uh, That's my cell phone. So um, you can call me, you can email me, you can get a hold of my assistant, and you can set up an appointment, whatever you like. I, that is my job to, to, to hear what you have to say. I have a number of emails to answer today from folks that dropped notes to me. So um, that's, that's what is most important about this job is to hear all those things. Because some, like you say, sometimes uh, uh, either something's been neglected or there's an uh, uh, unintended consequence of something and we need to get it fixed. So that's that's the job. So uh, get a hold of me anytime you want. And I say if you if you lost what I just said, just Google it or hit me on Facebook or Legislative, and you'll find find all my contact info there. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much, Representative, for uh, uh, letting me play devil's advocate with you, and thank you for being with us and explaining so clearly some of the things that you did.
And thank you for listening to Valley Talk right here on Valley 104.9 FM.